Welcome to the Nicole Murphy Podcast, where we explore the impact of media and the power of individual stories on the world that we live in today. Enjoy! Hello, hello. Welcome to Understanding News and Journalism Basics. We got the East Anchor team here today. Shauna, give a little wave. You knew I was going to go for you. <laughs> yeah, I did. Anna, <laughs> give a little wave. I'm Nicole Murphy. And a little bit about me is I have worked in media for over a decade as of this being recorded. Who knows? Maybe the aliens have found this or the AI have found this in thousands of years and I would have been in media much longer. Wow, I went there already. <laughs> People are going to be tuning out right there. No, um, I've worked in media for over a decade. I'm news trained, went to college for news broadcasting, and ended up teaching at the college as well as running the school newspaper. That is where I met Shauna. And um, now we're doing some fun stuff. So Shauna, share a little bit about yourself. Um Sorry, before I share about myself, I feel called to to encourage you to mention all the different facets of media you've worked in, because I think that's important to mention. You haven't just worked in news. You have worked in news in that in itself in a few different ways. But what are the all the different areas of media you've worked in? OK, <laughs> great. Um, I have worked in mainstream or legacy news because it's not mainstream anymore. I have worked in alternative news. I have worked on dramatic productions films in Alberta. I've worked on television series in Alberta. I have worked in print with the school newspaper, um, documentaries. You created your own documentary? Yeah, I've produced and directed my own documentary. I know you hate this, right? Me asking questions about yourself? <laughs> no, like I love it. I love it at the same time. So it's like, it's so nice. Yeah. And then obviously we're doing the podcast and um, I feel really, really blessed to actually have an overview and have done so many different kinds of media. I also worked with um, Ampia, which is the non-for-profit Alberta media um, company that's supposed, we're going to, yeah, that's, that helps with, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm choking up here because they're supposed to develop and, and educate media professionals. And just because the last few years, there's like a little bit of residual pain because of course all the networking and connections I had made over the last decade shifted and changed and I'm grateful I'm working with great people like Deanna and Shauna and many others but it just feels like in a lot of ways because of what happened these organizations that are supposed to have our backs didn't so that's just why I choked up a little bit there because I really want to be professional and I loved my time there but yeah that's what I that's what just happened so thank you Shauna you're welcome so about myself, I actually went to school for uh, English literature um, with a minor in French. I got through French with Google Translate. <laughs> um, I had no idea that I wanted to work in news or media or journalism of any kind. Um, I started out getting a job, the nine to five that everyone you're supposed to do. I did, you know, I checked all the boxes. Um, but I hated it. I was so miserable. And I realized I wanted to go back to school for graphic design, which brought me to Nate, <clears throat> which is where I met Nicole. I applied within my first month of school to work at the school newspaper with Nicole. She was, uh, what was your title? Media operations manager. Mom. She was mom at the time. <laughs> Still kind of is. <laughs> that, that was a joke. It's not a yeah. joke. Yeah. 
Um, so I worked there with Nicole as a student writer for a year. And then when I graduated, I was so lucky to get, I, I took graphic design at Nate. I think I said that, but I was so lucky to get the position doing the production managing at the paper. So all the design, all the graphics work, but because I had worked as a student for a year, um, worked as a journalist for a year, I was able to help also mentor the students and guide the students in their writing, help make sure that the articles they were writing were balanced. Um, we really got to do a lot of workshops with students and mentoring, and it was very, very rewarding. And then in 2021, both Nicole and I were let go from the paper, um, which is, as Nicole said, I don't want to be unprofessional, but uh, it feels a little ironic to be um, let go from a newspaper where we were heading it up with the intention of truth and integrity and trying to really cover both sides of every story but that wasn't well received so um i was let go then i had my own business for a long time everpress jewelry i made my own jewelry i still kind of do a little bit but now we've moved on to working on this east anchor and it's very similar to what we did at the nugget we were talking about this the other day like we got so much preparation being at the nugget for what we're doing now which is so awesome um and now we get to create whatever we want and the sky's the limit so awesome. yeah and I, I want to say for anybody listening when we referenced the nugget oh yeah <laughs> that was that's the name of nate which is a uh a college in edmonton alberta that is the name of the school newspaper the college newspaper that started in 1964 so yeah yeah finally deanna our newest member our newest friend who we love so much Thank you. I'm, my name is Deanna Friesen. I am the content coordinator, communications coordinator um, with the team here. Um, I met Nicole through Instagram. I found her online randomly. Somebody shared a story um, that she had posted about getting fired from Nate's. And that really resonated with me because I also worked at Nate's and I was questioning things the same way that she was questioning things. And so I, I was feeling really alone at that time. And, and Nicole was saying all of the things that I wish that I could have said. Um, in the end, I I ended up getting put on unpaid leave as well um, for, you know, not doing the thing and um, eventually ended up just leaving my position there. And now I have this great opportunity to work with Shauna and Nicole. And I think that we make a really great team. And like Shauna said, the sky's the limit. We are branching out and doing all kinds of things, including workshops like this one. Yeah. And I just want to, I want to go back because I have automatically been censoring because online um, for those who are watching this in the future, because I made a joke about AI or aliens finding this, but, but genuinely, if somebody is watching this way in the future, we're self-censoring the fact that we got fired for not taking a vaccination. And the reason why we're so used to censoring that, because, because Deanna just said for not getting the thing, I think is what she said. Um, there is shadow banning and censorship happening on the internet. So I just wanted to make that clear. I know that seems a little bit weird to say because I'm always thinking of the future and I want people to understand what, what we're referencing because, uh, you know, maybe one day even our grandkids or our great grandkids or whoever is watching this. So, yeah. With that said, let's dive into some understanding news and journalism basics. Uh, again, Shauna mentioned 
we've taught lots of workshops on this. We brought in experts when we were working at the school newspaper at the college to teach on journalism and news. We have gone to the top student conferences across the country multiple times. So we are really speaking from experience and, and with a passion of journalism education. So let's just start with some basic questions. Um, how do you know who to trust in news and journalism? How do you know who to trust in news and journalism? We're in a, a landscape, a media landscape right now that is really confusing and there's deep fakes now, which means even when you're watching, you know, things you're seeing could be altered and done in such a realistic way. It is very hard to know what's real and what is fake. So I'm curious, Deanna, if you wanna start us off, like how do you navigate the media landscape and, and who to trust? It's hard, it's hard to know who to trust. Um, I think what, what I feel gravitated towards is um, when people are asking the same questions that I have, people that ask questions, like like if they're not asking questions, that's automatically a red flag for me. Um, but if they're asking questions, the same questions that I'm asking, and they're actually looking for answers, um, that is a good sign. That's a good sign for me. And so that tends to lead me to see more of what it is that they're producing, um, watch more of their interviews, consume more of their content, and and just allow them to build credibility. And um, and then if they mess up, if we make mistakes, if they if they mess up, um, what really brings me back to like really trusting them is can they own that mistake? Can they say, I've like I messed up. I thought this was the answer. I thought this was the truth. Turns out that I was wrong. And this is actually what the truth is. And I, I think that having that level of integrity is really important. And so um, that's why it takes time to figure out who you can trust in, in media is because you almost have to build a relationship with that person as you consume their content and you get to know them and, and what it is that they're after. That's what I would say. Oh, I love that. And and just building on that, as you said, it takes time because how many places had fact checks and then the fact checkers had to retract the fact checks. So it takes sometimes months to really see uh, where the cookie crumbles. If that's <laughs> yeah. Shana? Yeah. Um, what you hit on, Deanna, there that was interesting to me was the no accountability thing. We're seeing that so much now in legacy news, what used to be called mainstream news, is they mess up, but there's no accountability taken. There's no, they're not fixing the stories. Sometimes they just take the story down. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to create an edit and say that it's been edited and updated. And that's not happening. And um, I do see that happening more in alternative news. So that does lead me more in that direction to trust that side of things a little more. Um, but what's interesting is that what news station I find that I trust might be different than the station Deanna finds that she trusts. And that doesn't mean that that the, the news that I'm reading is wrong or the news that Deanna is reading is wrong necessarily, but it means it's going to almost like tap into our discernment in different ways because really what it comes down to is your own personal discernment of what feels right to you 
and maybe something will be said in just a way that to me is like, yeah, I think that's that's hitting on something. And for Deanna, a different station will do that for her too. So that's important to keep in mind. It doesn't mean that one is wrong. And again, like Deanna said, we're human. We mess up. That's part of the gig. Yeah. And, and I often go for, I move away from trusting stations and more find people that I trust. And with the internet, it kind of helps because you can, I mean, there are people who can be fake, obviously, but I just find, and I'm news trained, like I'm anchor trained. I was in school where we were practicing like, hello and welcome to, you know, Nate News Watch, da, 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 and we were taught a certain voice and how to, like, I know how to be the anchor. And the thing I saw happening over and over again, and even with my, my, I hesitate to say friends, but the people I went to school with who I did connect with in the past, who I love very much, but we're not necessarily in contact right now, there is a news anchor veneer that you step into. And I've stepped into that. And I'm still working out how to not have that um, fully. But that's why people I find are more trustworthy. It's almost, you trust people more when you do see them be have mistakes or or think through things or like conversations like this, long form conversations like this, you get a feel of what people are like more. And just um, to build on that alternative media comment you said, Shauna, um, there's lots of mistakes made in alternative media. There is. However, <laughs> alternative media, there's like such a range in alternative media in itself. Mm-hmm. So like, I would say the higher end, higher quality alternative media is really good. But there's just anything that's not legacy is considered alternative media. So that's why we're here to to look at how to help people decipher that. Yeah. And maybe that's something we go into too. Like, because we had a huge brainstorm a few weeks ago about this. What, why, where does legacy media um, excel and where does alternative news media excel? And what we kind of came up with was, Legacy has the skill. They're professionally trained um, for years. They've probably gone to a practicum and worked in the environment before they've actually come in as a professional. And there's the skill, it's there. Whereas alternative, often it's people who are really frustrated with the system. They can't find someone to trust, so they're doing it themselves, which means they're not trained. It doesn't mean that they suck necessarily. There's a lot of them that are awesome, actually. Sometimes the skill can be lacking. And like Nicole said, there's a huge range from like, not very good at all to, to awesome. <laughs> so to like a better yeah. like, legacy, but there's that range because yeah. when you say skill set, let's just break this down for people. Mm-hmm. When I say, when we say skill set, we mean getting dates properly done, like getting the right dates, knowing how to tell the difference between a fact and a story right? There's a lot of editorialized media in general right now, but in alternative, there's a lot of editorialized media. So much. And I don't even think that they realize that they're doing it a lot of the time. They don't, they don't know the difference between an editorial and an article. Exactly. And so the skill set, like when I would do research for articles I was writing with, let's say the pulse, which is an alternative media company. And we all talked about it when we were working there. If I'm looking for like dates and like numbers and certain sources, I will look in legacy media. Now I don't just take their word for it. I go and I dig deeper and I check it. But if I'm looking for just like 
factual tidbits, I'll go there. If I'm looking for critical thinking, I don't go to legacy media. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking for different ways and different point point of views, I'm not going to legacy media. And I guess this leads into what alternative media does better. It often, it at least tries really hard and it and has the courage to really try to critically think and go deeper and think outside the box. Yeah. Any thoughts, Deanna? No, that's something that alternative media I think is better at too, is is challenging the narrative. They ask hard questions. They're trying to find the answers. They're questioning why why, um, angles of big major stories aren't being brought to light or aren't being questioned. Um, And I think that a lot of truth comes out because of the work that alternative media is is doing or carrying out. yeah, I think that that's that's something that they have courage, which is something that legacy media doesn't seem to have a lot of at the moment. They have funding. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and also, I'm going to like and not not push back, but add a layer to this. They have funding, but they also there's they don't, and this is the problem. Is over the last few years in like newsrooms like CTV, I don't know about CBC because I mean they have. We know we can see their funding model, um, but CTV CT, or CBC, sorry. Okay, so, just so what's happened from when I started in news till now, the newsrooms have been like drained of people, but they're still trying to keep up or put up more news and keep up with Twitter. So what's happening is nobody's getting investigative depth in their stories. So like I have empathy for the legacy media professionals because they're the weight has been increased, like what they have to put out has been increased and the people to do that with has been decreased. Now, if we wanna go conspiracy theory, I think that's on purpose. I think it's very purposely done to create newsrooms and to control media to to not have enough people working in media. One of my favorite movies is Spotlight. They had like, I think it was five people working on an investigative story for like a year and a half. Like. And of course they were doing other things, but like that, there's no spotlight rooms yeah. anymore, or like teams. I don't think, I'm sure there, are, excuse me. I don't know for sure, but in, in the newsrooms, that would, I, there's not, I would say you can definitely say it's less common. And it, ironically enough, I think it's popping up more in alternative media now where people are getting together and wanting to get a little deeper. Yeah. And just to um, give a little bit more context to people who don't really know much about news in the past correct me if I'm wrong at any point Nicole there was someone who wrote the stories someone who filmed the stories was there maybe you should say this because you're probably more well versed in it but there was a different person for every single role and now there's one person for all of those roles they're doing everything so this is what's kind of interesting it's like weirdly enough it's kind of done a full circle so like there used to be what's called vjs video journalists in the past so some of my teachers when they started in like the late 80s 90s so they were going out filming writing the story getting it up like they were doing that Uh, i don't think they were editing it but there was somebody there there's always been somebody doing a lot of work in news that that happens but when we're talking about a newsroom there was definitely way more people. And from what I heard, some like main news anchors were being asked to edit their own stories near the end of their career. And they chose in Edmonton anyway, to leave because like 
we're talking news anchors that have been news anchoring for decades, right? So yeah, it's weird. It's like there was VJs, then like it expanded a little more and then it's like shrinking down again. But there was, remember in the 80s and 90s, we're not keeping up with Twitter. We're not keeping up with the internet. So it's a different landscape, like a different setting. Yeah. And again, you'll know more about this because you've worked in in mainstream, Nicole, but if a writer or a, or a journalist or news anchor is being asked to edit their own story, what's happening there? We're not getting somebody else overlooking what's going on. We're just having the same person write and edit. You know, and this is actually really good you're bringing this up because I think we get to do a little more research and maybe know what what what's happening in newsrooms right now um because my perspective is a little a few, a few years old as well but i worked on a morning show and you need multiple brains you need multiple things to make things better and to see holes in it and the concerning part as well and this was happening when i was in the newsroom uh just under a decade ago is people don't realize that news stories are being passed around so we've seen those videos of like all the news stations saying the same news story. Like I was putting out news packages from ABC from the United States in Edmonton all, all the time. Like that was part of my job is to watch these news packages and then say if they're good enough to go online. And the one that I pushed back on, my producer was like, oh, it's fine. Put it out. And ironically enough, I did more research in it recently. And there was nuance to that news package that wasn't being shown and it gave me a feeling that there's not a full story here and I remember that was actually the day I called my dad on my news break and I was like I can't work in news and that was almost 10 years ago what is that the airplane story yeah do you want me to yeah yeah go into it okay so I actually I will correct myself because what I had believed back then I looked it up and I was a little bit wrong but essentially there was a plane crash plane um Air Asiana crashed on landing in the United States. And so this was a big story on the morning news show. And they sent this news pack that seemed like an advertisement to me. It was talking about how safe planes are and how you don't need to worry. And that 95% of people survive plane crashes. And if you're going to die, like, I think I remember it saying something like near the back of the plane is the safest. But in this specific news story, the people who were hurt were at the back of the plane. And I actually think it was because emergency vehicles accidentally hit them, but don't call me on. This is like almost a decade ago. And just for reference, like this is how much I listen. I'm I'm probably not getting the story completely correct, but I remember it <laughs> like a decade later. So I did research this past summer because at the time I said in the newsroom, I have friends who work in aviation and 95% of people surviving plane crashes. That doesn't seem real to me. And then I found a statistic that said 97% of plane crashes have survivors. Well, that's a very, that's a very different statistic. So then I looked in the summer because I was like, you know what, I need to find that news story. And they usually have them archived. Well, it wasn't there. So I I personally believe it was a news advertisement. Like it was a paid sponsored advertisement from Air Asiana or some type of flight company. But it, of course, it, I don't think it was marked that way. I found other news packages. Um and maybe it's out there still. and I just didn't find it. But I went and did research on um, the website for, oh my gosh, what was it? Like the statistics around flights and and that kind of stuff and deaths. And it was true, actually. 95% of plane crashes have survivors. If you're including any kind of plane disruption. So with serious crashes, there is a 
small survival rate and we know that but so what they, right. yeah it's 95 percent of plane crashes have survivors or 95 percent of people survive plane crashes i think they're both actually correct oh. but but how they define plane crash right is there's a there's a difference so serious plane crashes don't have that high of a survivability rate it's very low but they're even saying like any kind of like any kind of experience with a plane they're considering that a plane crash so again you're seeing statistics that are slightly adjusted to sound a certain way technically it's truth but when i started to dig in and really see the definitions that's where the nuance in the stories found and you don't find that nuance in an advertisement in a sponsored thing you find that in an investigative piece that people aren't doing anymore you know and really truthfully for that type of a plane crash i'm just thinking off the top of my head here if i was an investigative reporter which i am but if i was working as an investigative reporter at that time I would get really curious about probably plane maintenance off the back. I would get really curious about like what went wrong, the the pilot, if the pilots were in any way, um, what's it called? Like not not drunk, but like potentially like having issues if they were not well, I would go and I would try to figure that out, right? Mm -hmm. And I would, I felt at the time even that it was very disrespectful to put out like an advertisement on how safe planes are like as soon as this is happening yeah when a bunch of people have just died in a plane crash well, well it wasn't a lot of people because it was just a landing but like when people have died in a plane crash yeah 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 um this actually leads us really well into another topic we want to bring up which is media being unbalanced mm. what I'm just trying to think of what the question is here. Why why are we seeing so much imbalance in media? Yeah, and like how how do you recognize mm. balanced? Yeah. I would say the simplest way is look at the interviews you've gotten. Uh a, the best written article should have ideally three interviews actually. So let's say you're writing a story on whether trees are green. <laughs> So you should have somebody who's saying, yes, trees are green because of this. You should have another interview that says, no, trees are not green because of this. And then you should have somebody who's like, for my silly example, let's say a squirrel that's like, yeah, trees need to be green for me because I don't know why. That was a horrible example. <laughs> no, but but you're but getting, <laughs> you want, you want people stories. I don't know, <laughs> squirrels hilarious. <laughs> okay someone's tuning out here if they didn't tune out at the beginning they're tuning AI out. and squirrels AI, time capsule and squirrels um there and there's different kinds of articles there's analysts as well like there's different things so be aware of what you're reading but if you're looking yeah. for an article you want to see both perspectives and this is going to blow people's minds I was taught in school like the people are more important than the expert the people dealing with the thing are really more important than the expert. You want the expert in there or a couple experts to speak to it, but the people being affected by the green trees or whatever is important. Or the squirrels. Or the squirrels. Deanna, like how, like, how do you recognize when something's quote unquote balanced or unbalanced? 
there's always I think there's always two sides to a story. And I think that if somebody is trying to practice uh, balanced news writing, they're going to take a look at both sides. There's going to be the people that are for whatever the statement is or against whatever the statement is. And and then there's going to be like there should be experts on both sides and they should be able to articulate their stance. And I and if a, a, an article or a news story isn't balanced, it comes across because only one side is being spoken to, or one side is being presented. And the other side maybe gets like one line at the end that's a, that that makes them seem like less than or not important or um, disregarded. And so if that's if you're reading something or watching a news story and it seems like somebody has a really somebody has an attitude about a certain thing and and they have um like a really negative attitude towards the other side that comes across it comes across as somebody's trying to convince you of something versus um a, a proper article where the facts are laid out and you're free to decide for yourself if if you are for the thing or against the thing whatever the thing is it's just these are the facts and this is what we've what this is what we've come up with or what we found through our investigation mm -hmm. yeah and, and i'll speak to this too because we're talking about articles and people who are like doing kind of like a more traditional news throughout the pandemic I didn't necessarily do that for all my articles because there was so much legacy media showing one perspective that I spent energy showing the other perspective, but at least I tried to speak to the other side. Like the other perspective is this, this, and this, like, or could be this, this, and this, you know? So I, I, I don't think it has to be every single piece of journalism or news has to be completely balanced, but you can start to get a vibe if there's someone really trying to seek truth and also for someone who consumes me news, look for those different perspectives too. If you're just listening to one person or one news station, like it's your job to seek out other perspectives as well. That's what I was going to say too, is and and figuring out like who to trust. It's it's taking in um, news from lots of different sources. Like listen to listen to news sources from the left, listen to news sources from the right, um, listen to some legacy, listen to some um, alternative people. And you start to see patterns, like integrity becomes apparent fairly quickly when you're consuming a, a wide variety of, of information. Yeah. Anything else yeah. you wanna add, Shauna? <clears throat> I was just thinking about the discernment factor that's part of the reason why it's so important to have a balanced article because and again we're just talking about articles here not editorials but in a balanced article you're presented with both sides of the issue and someone who's been affected and then you're able to use your discernment and decide what you think is most accurate or most aligned with truth but if we're getting all these articles that are just one side one main narrative then there's almost no need for anyone to have discernment because they're being just they're just being told this is the way it is and i think that there's been a big um i want to say reduction but that seems like the wrong word but like so many people don't know how to rely on their discernment anymore there's there's we don't 
necessarily like need to on a day-to-day -day anymore. We're told what to do and what to think and all of our basic needs are met so easily. And, but that's, that I think that's why that this is happening with news right now. I think yeah, that it, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Pardon, excuse me. Sorry, we're Canadian. <laughs> um, I was, I was just going to say that I think that, that the reason that we don't use our discernment is because when we were, when we were growing up, we were taught in school that news was articles and, um, and, and that the news was trustworthy. And that was how you found out what was going on. You don't have to be an investigative journalist because there's somebody whose job it is to do that. You don't have to be um, like the news anchor on TV all the time. Like you don't have to do the work yourself because somebody else is going to do that for you. And it's part of the um, I like the, the oath <laughs> of journalism to, to be that, to practice integrity, to be looking for the truth, but that was what we were taught in school. And so now as adults, we assume that what's on the news is the truth and, um, and what is in actuality, um, is a whole bunch of different things happening, which makes it a lot more complicated. Um, but I think it would also be a really good opportunity to talk about the difference between what a, an article and an editorialized piece because we've mentioned both so I think that we should talk about what those things are totally and just to go back because like to talk to both of to what you both said um if we're going to go a little bit more conspiratorial here people who don't practice the yeah is that the that was my tinfoil hat. Tin foil hat on. <laughs> Actually, we have some of those. We do, and <laughs> aluminum is really not that good for you. So, if you want to, anybody who's actually in the health space isn't, isn't putting a tinfoil hat on. Um, yeah. Even though, yeah. Anyway, um, if we want to go back, so like, why is there so much unbalanced news, and why aren't people being taught the discernment muscle? People who don't know how to discern are easier to control. Right. And then for someone who's watching this, who wants to be, you know, a conscious, aware, intentional uh, news consumer or information consumer, whatever that means for you. If you always agree with the content you're taking in, you're not doing your job. Because here's the thing, if you're listening to someone and you agree with everything they're saying, then then you are creating an echo chamber for yourself. It's like, do we have the capacity to hold space for like disagreement and like emotional, it can be emotionally dysregulating to hear someone you really like say something you disagree with. I've had that happen with Joe Rogan before. I'm like, oh, what? Joe Rogan doesn't believe the exact same things as me? Oh my goodness. And then I check myself and I go, okay, good. That's why I'm listening to Joe Rogan, right? That's why I'm listening to these interviews. So that's just, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, Shauna, with recognizing that it's actually easier to just, excuse me, easier in one way to just like let the discernment muscle go and just like trust either side, you know? And then to what Deanne is saying, that I think that was kind of intentional to say, everyone trusts news. That, that works really well when you want to like pump out a bunch of propaganda. And if you want to control the news, you make it so that there's a bunch of new people in the newsroom and there's not very much staff because now 
people are so busy, they can't stop and critically think either. Yeah. Okay, let's tell people what an article versus editorial is, because that was a good idea from Deanna too. So the easiest way to spot it would be article is fact. There's no story, there's no interpretation of what happened. It's straight fact. So you'll see lots of dates, um, fact about the whatever it was happening. Any type of story or interpretation or even adjectives should come in the form of a quote that the writer has interviewed. Yeah. And so we have a whole like module, a whole like thing about this and seeing truth and lies in media. So if you want to dig in even deeper, but the long story short is like articles traditionally are like the presenting of observational facts. Editorials are that with your interpretation of the story and some conclusions and some, some flavor. Neither is good or bad. You just need to know what you're reading. Um, this is a good place, I think, to go into the effects of journalism on our emotions um and like our nervous system because we're kind of touching on that right now mm -hmm. um and not even journalism let's just say information even though we are talking about news and journalism it's a wider it's a wider thing here mm -hmm. yeah i just had a thought that kind of ties it all together was because deanna mentioned um oh my god the thought just left my head so fast how does that happen i hate that I'm going to say it. Um, disagreement. Oh, cancel culture. Cancel culture and and censorship is such a huge thing. And it's becoming more and more of a problem now. And, you know, if I say something or see something online that I don't agree with, I think it should be censored or canceled. And I feel triggered by it. I feel an emotional uprising of frustration or anger, whatever it is. It would make sense that that's happening if I have less ability to use my own discernment because I don't have the ability to think, oh, that's so-and-so's opinion. You know, that might not be fact. I'm going to do some of my own research. You know, I'll figure it out for myself kind of thing. But if we can't discern, then no wonder we're having so much cancel culture and anger. <laughs> There's so much anger out there now about news stories people don't agree with. And yeah. Yeah. So essentially what's happening is an outside in type of emotional regulation which means i have to control everything outside of myself so i can feel emotionally regulated which is like a baseline of like narcissism and um, enabling and people who are not emotionally mature i've been this person so like like it's an outside validation everything has to validate my beliefs everything has to make me feel comfortable else i'm not going to know how to do that in myself the inside out approach, of course, is learning that must working that muscle of discernment and trust and nervous system regulation where you can create safety inside of yourself so you can take information in that you might not agree with and it doesn't like throw you for a freaking loop. And on the flip side, it also means that you're not getting crazy high off of information that validates what you believe. Yeah. And if you are, you at least recognize it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and again awareness is like yeah awareness. i'm like i made a post today i wonder how many people have liked it like <laughs> you know, we all go yeah. there um but it's that it's where and and we shift in and out of it but it's where do we live most of the time and where do we want to live most of the time i think that that's really important because 
naturally we are we are gravitated towards or we remember we pay attention to the negative things the things that that um like give us a bit of a a bit of a a jolt a bit of a buzz there's like we watch suspenseful movies we like thrillers we like that feeling of uh of um like unease almost uh, they, there's there's an anxiety there that that releases all kinds of stress hormones uh, that that go through our body and and because that we often feel feel like that that feeling of suspense is fun like i don't know if you guys experience this or not but like when you you're a kid and you start to like you get to watch like scarier movies it you start to get like you like that like it starts off as being a novelty but then it's almost like like that's that's what keeps you going and then you end up almost like getting into a bit of a drama cycle too where you you want the drama you want that those all of those stress hormones and you don't even know because it's it's all happening subconsciously you you don't you're all you know is that that's what you like like that's what you you want to seek that's the thing that gets the reaction out of you and uh, until you you're aware that that cycle is actually happening it's really difficult to regulate yourself and be able to recognize when you're being triggered and and you're in that like outside in type of validation versus you're like i'm safe within myself and what's happening here is a reaction to an outside thing and that's an opportunity for me to take a look at what's going on for me so I think that that's really important too, is in that in that self awareness piece is understanding that there's physiological things that are happening to you, and and that those physiological things are a business for other people. And this is perfect for if it bleeds, it leads, because as human beings, uh, we have we can have an uh, a drama adrenaline addiction essentially adrenaline drama is a real thing and i just want to go back because often people don't think they want the drama in their life but then things are always happening where they're in the relationship they're having the stress the money stress or the relationship stress or the health stress and so subconsciously there's something there that's working for people right and i mean all of us have done extensive self-development as well um self-development research so people, as you said, Deanna, don't even realize. And then depending on the household you grew up in and what was normalized there in the emotional realm, you're being programmed, right? What feels familiar isn't necessarily comfortable. It can be a very chaotic, but if you don't know it, then no kidding. If it bleeds, it leads is a thing. And it's happening in alternative news and legacy news. And I will say, Again, we go further into this and in seeing truth and lies in media. But if it bleeds, it leads has a place, but it's overused. Bottom line. The sky is falling, happening all the time on both alternative and legacy media sides. It's like, okay, how do people actually make good decisions for their family when they're constantly in that fear place? Well, they're just desensitized, that you get desensitized to what an emergency is. So so you just you're just stuck. It's like like the boy that cried wolf you you don't know when you're supposed to respond and when it's fine to just sit there with like a fire drill versus the actual fire in the building that's a really really good point also my eyeline in this I'm sorry like I'm looking at both of you and I'm like 
someone's gonna look and be like is nicole oh i feel like the same thing's happening to me too (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it is for you guys so maybe we're all good but anyway shauna anything you want to add to that well so when diana was talking what i thought was um often the news that that uh, we gravitate towards the most are the ones that create high arousal emotions in us. And we talk about this in our uh, Seeing Truth and Lies in Media course. And the high arousal emotions are um, anger. Uh, oh, what's the one that's contempt. like, disgust. like contempt. Disgust. Yes. contempt? But also on the opposite side of the spectrum, it's um, awe. Oh my God. Oh, awe. <laughs> I'm not doing All a good job. All inspiring. Yes, that's the word. I was going to say like uplifting, but yeah um so it could fall on either side but most people i would say you know in from what i have seen um it feels like most people are the higher arousal emotion they're attracted to the most are contempt and anger except here's the thing we don't this is where we get to really explore as a news company because they are attracted to that but like that's what news sells with so like how do we actually know that's the thing. Like if we, uh, there's a book called Broadcasting Happiness and she said in it, the Michelle, what's her last name? Galen, I think. Um, she said that you can show a recession news story, like people losing their houses and you can show a story of people. She did a story of two brothers who were losing their houses. So they moved in together and they hadn't talked in like 20 years. And they like rebuilt their relationship and ended up coming through this recession, like better off together. She's like, mm-hmm. so you can show the thing that's not great, mm-hmm. but you can show the comeback story. You can show the like transformation story. Mm-hmm. And what is that ripple effect going to do versus just showing people losing their houses and like yeah. the falling and that disgust and anger, like, oh, fuck, the government screwed us over again. Like, it's so easy to get stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. And I could be wrong in saying this, but this is how I felt growing up was I was more attracted to the, um, the, the sad stories, the, 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 something bad has happened stories. That was my emotional zone of familiarity. So it was almost like I was attracted to content that reaffirmed that, but at the same time I was being like coddled by that content so that I stay in that little bubble yeah it feels to me like there's a lot of people that are in that area that realm that's what I I think yeah on both sides like the people who really want to stay angry at the government and like f the system yeah or the people who want to be like totally oblivious and be like those stupid anti-vaxxers and be mad at that yeah yeah Yeah. common denominator is they're both mad (laughs) they get to that high arousal emotion the adrenaline drama they're getting high off of the physiology of it but then they would say and this is what's so fascinating this is where we get to like really ask ourselves why they get to say no I don't want to be angry I want peace I want love on the planet and yet everything in their life not everything in their life things in their life show the exact opposite of that their emotional zone of familiarity actually is the opposite of that. Yeah. Ah, yeah. That's the, um, like the subconscious, um, what's it called? Like 
not like the bias, but where maybe it is like the, the bias where everything that you see reaffirms what you believe. Yeah. Confirmation. So, that, yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, like it's a bias. I don't remember the first part, <laughs> but it, like it, you have this belief, it, whether you know what's in you or whether you know that it, you have consciously have this belief, or if it's an, an unconscious belief that started a long time ago, you, your brain picks out the, those pieces of information that confirm that belief. And so if you're, even if you're somebody that is like, I don't want to, I don't want drama. Like I want, I want to be a Zen monk in my life. Um, but all of these dramatic things start happening or keep happening. And like, you can, you can get really comfortable in that everything is happening to me, like outside of me in, in, in that mentality. And, and I think that the news helps that too, like helps that, that confirmation bias or plays into it, mm-hmm. allows people, the, the faculties to keep feeding that loop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what you're hitting on is like victimhood. Yeah. And is it like just me or like, and I, again, I, I'm not saying I was not this person at one time, but the people who say I don't, I just don't want drama in my life. They have the most dramatic lives. The most drama. Like, They're all up in everybody's business. <laughs> they, they are, yeah, constantly blaming everybody else for being crazy. They don't recognize that they're the eye of the hurricane. Yeah, there's a lowest common denominator. Yeah. Yeah. That was me I've dated, I've dated those people. <laughs> and uh, I've been that person, so... Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, this is actually a good switch. So we've been these people at times. Shauna, you recognize like you were really, I lived with Shauna for a few years and the melancholy music that I had to listen to on repeat. The uh, sad girl, Billie Eilish over and over and over. <laughs> I really appreciate that you recognize my patience with that because that is not the type of. <laughs> I would not have been as patient as you were. I don't know how you did it because I like I would have just turned it off if someone did that around me now like I see this in my family a lot of them watch sad or angry music destructive shows like the shows where there's always car accidents and fires and stuff like that news mainstream news still a lot of sad things um they seem to like gain some sort of something when someone dies and that's they like to tell everyone that someone's died like it's all negative and it's so frustrating for me <laughs> I know it's funny because I think Kid Carson mentioned this but he heard it from somewhere else but I'm going to say it now what you frequently see is your frequency so yeah. so it's like chicken or egg you know that mm-hmm. chaos is is very comfortable when you've been in again that nervous system loop yeah oscillating between anxiety and numbness and yeah dysregulation yeah so I guess what I was going to say is what are some things that I mean we none of us have arrived but what are some things that we tangibly do to help become aware and shift and create that safety inside of us instead of you know getting caught in the social media scroll for too long yeah um you know it's a simple answer but it's not easy and it really is just 
self-reflection, I think. Self-reflection, um, think about your childhood. How did you grow up? What did you grow up around? What was the environment? What was the emotions that you grew up around? And then is there a correlation between that and the content you're attracted to now? And not just news, but movies, TV, social media, music. Music music's a huge one, huge. So much mainstream music is so horrible. <laughs> just Can I, yeah, go ahead. Can I say something that like was a kind of a realization for me? And I don't know, it's a theory, but we're throwing out there. Get curious about what you're attracted to. And there might be some information for you there that is a signal that you're here to transform. So like if you're constantly attracted to like melancholy, maybe that don't think it's bad, but maybe it's again a calling for you to become more joyful. You know what I mean? So just like get curious as what you're attracted to, but don't necessarily make it good or bad is what I'm getting at. It's like, it's like, it might be again, where your state is. So you can have a recognition of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I stopped being attracted to Billie Eilish finally was when I realized what was happening. Mm -hmm. That was a attraction to my zone of familiarity, which was the environment I grew up in. And as soon as I realized I was no longer into it. Well, maybe a little bit after I realized, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Songs, and that doesn't mean that like you're never going to feel melancholy again oh. either. Yeah. No, exactly. My parents are being so loud. I'm just going to tell them to like I'm still on this call. <laughs> um, I think just like knowing becoming aware like asking questions like what what am I getting out of this um I went through this with a lot of um like suspenseful shows like I I am attracted to suspenseful shows uh, it's like action shows kind of scary shows not gory shows or like um like shows where like people are like actually deranged where it's like plausible like people out here are like in the world exist I don't like that that's that's too that that's too much (laughs) but like like the suspense the like what's gonna happen next or like the weird love triangle but but I'm not attracted to like comedies like if somebody else chooses a comedy I enjoy it I never choose to watch a comedy on my own. And so I I started like recognizing that that's a pattern. And so now what I try to do when I'm like consuming other types of media is looking at like, is it something that I'm looking for? Or is is somebody telling me how I'm supposed to feel when I'm like, when I'm consuming it? Or like, it, is it... Like, is it, is it, is someone trying to tell me a message or is it something that I'm already aware of? Like, I'm consciously like, like, I really want to watch a suspenseful movie right now. Or is it that like, I'm craving something else? Like there's a, there's definitely like more messages there. Yeah. Like a default setting. Yeah. Is it a default or is it an intentional choice? Yeah. Okay. And I'll go for the, the, um, some more embodiment stuff breath work meditation prayer and um yeah I think that that's like dance really helps me like if I but again the music this is something I did the other day I was listening to the song that is just like full-on like it's not a good meaning it's like a raunchy like sexy song and like there's like words like cunt getting eaten like it's intense okay and (laughs) 
And I was like full on dancing to it. But like you, I was like, I was very like conscious and intentional with it. And so I, I'm very cautious to, again, make any media good or bad or right or wrong. I think it's just like a revealing of energy that needs to kind of come out sometimes. And I want to do some research, and research into this. I've heard that like people who listen to like really heavy metal music, it actually like releases stuff for them and, and makes them like more calm or something. So my theory on that is just because often they sing along and sound is body work. Yeah. There's something there. And that's what I kind of felt like the day I was like really dancing and I was like very intentional. And I was like, okay, like I know that these songs have a certain coding, have a certain thing, like even the Billie Eilish songs. Like I know this. So what is, what is this doing right now? And honestly, like I felt great afterwards. So I think there's a place for like watching a good suspenseful thing, getting in there, feeling the emotion and like passing it through. Yeah. And then maybe again, I think that the addiction to certain media and emotions and nervous system stuff is because the emotion doesn't fully like pass through. It's not like a flow. So it's like a stuck thing maybe. Mm. yeah I also think oh this is another topic with news and worry and the and the addictive quality of worry I read years ago that when you're worrying your body actually interprets it as action that's why when we're worrying we actually lose energy so mm. I think it's a way for people to feel like they're doing something without actually doing something so if you're watching news all the time and you're worried about the world somehow you feel like you're contributing, but it's actually the opposite. You're actually like draining your life force, your energy that could actually come up with solutions. Mm -hmm. But you're giving yourself the illusion that you're actually in some type of action. This is tied yeah. into anxiety, right? Like anxiety is, is worrying about the future. Depression is worrying about the past. Where we want to be is present. Yeah. And in... And it, I, that will lead to what I actually think has made the biggest change, like besides obviously the meditation, the awareness, the like journaling and things like that. It's like living into your dreams and, and, and learning how to step into, to, I say actual love, but like actual solutions, like learning how to build your community, create the news or content that you think you're feeling called to create or whatever that looks like for the individual. Yeah. Getting out of your house, interacting with people, creating, innovating, and connecting, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we go, where we shift from victim into, you know, everyone has different words for this, but the simplest version is victor. Yeah. Which is something we touched on earlier. We touched on victim. And that's something I'm really passionate about is helping people realize they can be the victor. You know, it's, it's just, it's again, it's not necessarily easy, but it's fairly simple with self-awareness, body work, consciously checking yourself. You can shift into that. And as soon as you are embodying more of a victor, you're going to be able to use your own discernment better. And you're not going to be as attracted to the stories that constantly confirm your victimhood. Yeah. Because you can look in the world for all the like bad and you'll be right you'll find it yeah find it. and I'm not talking about ignoring it because I mean we all are very um, open about seeking truth and having awareness and 
venturing into the uncomfortable truths and dysfunction that are in the world. But with the intention that we believe in our capacity to make it a little better. Make it a lot better, actually. (laughs) That's the goal. (laughs) And I'd much rather live my life like that than on a couch or... And I've been this person. I'm this person, like, sometimes I, you know, I'm scrolling on Instagram and I'm like, oh, I'm totally addicted to this right now. Like, like I'm getting dopamine hits. Like, like that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But then I go, no, and tomorrow's, and like, or in 30 minutes, it's a new time. Like, let me connect with someone. Let me create something. Let me innovate something. Or let me sit in stillness and just like reflect too. Breathe go in nature. I think that once people start to to reflect and become a little bit more aware or just decide, like, I feel like garbage. I don't go outside. I sit on the couch all day. Like I'm inside all the time. I only see darkness or artificial light. I uh, connect with my friends, like through like online means only. Um, There's like a, a, like a darkness that's kind of like, covers you like a big grumpy cloud and um, <laughs> and um you at some point become aware of the big grumpy cloud and you're like wait a minute I don't want to live under a big grumpy cloud and you make it as soon as it, as soon as you put that idea like into your mind into your little thought bucket then you eventually get to a place where you are like, actually, like, I wonder what the weather's like outside. Or like, I wonder, like, like, maybe, like, I'll just like go outside for a walk. Or like, maybe you'll go to bed earlier. Or just like those little things, I think, start happening when you're aware of a desire to have more positivity and more optimism, more light, I guess, in your life. Yeah, it's it's tough because I think that everyone has to go on their own journey because we we've all seen and we've all maybe experienced too like where you recognize it and then you do a bit of a shame spiral that oh, yeah. like makes you actually avoid the things that you even yeah. you know you should be should you know that could make it feel better it's it's very fascinating yeah yeah there's a I I resonate with that a lot Deanna because for me the biggest shift in my life happened when I just became more aware yeah. and it's a slow process. It's like becoming aware of one thing and then, yeah. you know, dealing with that and then becoming aware of another thing and dealing with that. Um, I don't, I don't know that I like when you say that shame spiral thing, Nicole, I don't necessarily resonate with it, but then I also think, I think for me, I just, I kept doing the same habits, even though I knew they weren't good for a while because I, w- yeah. I wasn't ready to give them up and then eventually I gave them up and then move to the next thing. But I I will always preach self-awareness. No, but what click, like what? And okay, we're this is another conversation for another yeah. Because yeah. I'll tell you, having friends and working with people who have intense addictions and being very close in relationship with people who've had intense addictions, they can tell you everything they're supposed to do. They can tell you all the ins and outs of their psyche. They can tell, they have the awareness but this is where it's interesting with the nervous system and the embodiment work. They don't have it in them yet. Like there's like a deeper knowing that's not quite there yet. 
And so that's, again, I, I'm, we'll venture into this because again, with news information, with what we're doing here, like it plays into the story of society, right? What the news is projecting is what people are taking in yeah. and then embodying and vice versa, the micro and the macro have a reflective ability. Yeah. Well, like we were talking about earlier too, that, that, um, anxiety response or those that's that addiction to adrenaline and stress hormones that's that's a business that a lot of media plays into and so um a lot of times they're already telling you how you should feel about it and they're telling you that you should feel anxious or scared or worried or angry or whatever like they're telling you that already they lead with that that's in the headline of the, the thing like there's there's a clickbaity headline so that as you're scrolling you're you you click on the on the thing that has that that gives you that hit and um and and recognizing that is i think the only way that we can we can intentionally stop it is to recognize oh that that's what's happening right now somebody's telling me how i should feel about this yeah. And like, and get at least intentional. Cause there's some clickbaity titles where I'm like, Oh, I know this is clickbait. Click. <laughs> yeah. But I still want to know it worked. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I do want to yeah. know who blankety blank is sleeping with blankety blank on blankety blank. Right. <laughs> I know that it's going to be 27 ads before I actually find out the answer to this question, but we're doing it. <laughs> Oh, I know that they never actually answer the question. <laughs> and it's just a weird picture that looks like a zit or something. Like, what <laughs> is their news landscape? What Or like information landscape is so manipulative. But you know what? I had this thought years ago too. Our society normalizes tabloids. Like the magazines that we know have lies in the supermarket and people buy them. We live in a we live in a world where it's like we're just allowed to lie in magazines. And that's been happening for a long time. Yeah. People buy that. Because of because as you said, it's a business. And it's not just a business for news and information. You know, that what did you call it? It's like essentially the adrenaline drama. It's a news for media, it's a news for uh medical health care, more like sick care. Yeah. You know, it's a business for for therapy, for psychology, for um, like, yeah, medicines, pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Um, I think it would be really valuable to just kind of go through this news cheat sheet because um, just to provide people a little bit of guidance when they're going through this, um, as a lot of it is stuff we've already touched on. Uh, Nicole, I have it in the chat if you want to share it. Um, I don't know if you, can you share it in the chat? You might have to download it. I have it, but I don't know if it, do you have it like on Canva or something? Because it's only showing up as like a PDF, which means um, it might show like my whole entire back screen. And I don't really want that. Do you have it in Canva? Um, I can show it in Canva. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, guys. We should have practiced this. It's only because it's showing up where it would like show my, it's just like distracting. It would show, okay, here. What do you have on your computer, Nicole? <laughs> what are you watching? Some, you some, some media I'm not supposed to. Yeah. What clickbait did you get sucked into? Yeah. Crazy. I don't know. I'm trying to think of crazy thing. You won't believe that blows your mind. 
<laughs> Crazy <laughs> <thing>. speechless. <laughs> we'll leave you speechless. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We'll leave you gasping. Um okay, let's see. Let's see if I can do this. Let's have a little chitty chatty about this too, because um can we see it? Yeah, yep. you can make it a little bit bigger. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Okay, so um this news cheat sheet that we created. I'm gonna put I don't think it works in preview. Let's see though. Can you guys see it in preview? No, it doesn't. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. It does? Yeah. It yeah. Says your screen sharing is paused. Oh, can definitely see the cheat sheet. It. Yeah. And it's like full screen? Yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect. Let's keep it here. Okay. So Shauna put this beautiful cheat sheet together. And when you are going to be looking in, I mean, this is this is a lot of effort in some ways. So you don't have to do it all the time with everything that you read, but these are really good questions to ask yourself, especially around the people or the news stations you watch the most to get a good vibe of the quality of media and your awareness about what you're taking in. So um, do you want to dive into the top one, Shauna, maybe? Yeah. So the first two questions are all about trust. How do you know how to trust, who to trust? Number one, I would say is who wrote the article. Um, this is who as in like what um, broadcasting corporation or maybe it's an independent place, but also who as in who is the writer. And you can also, if you're, in, if you're curious, if you want to dig a little deeper, you can look into the writer and all the stories they've written and that will give you some insight. Sometimes you can kind of sense their bias just from seeing what they've written. Um, and sometimes you can sense they have no bias, which is as it should be. Who funds the publication website news organization? We know that CBC gets a ton of funding from the government. So there's automatically a bias in their writing because of that. Um, alternative, if you're reading some sort of alternative station, who funds them? Could there be, if they're being sponsored by an organization, could there be um, a what am I trying to say? Like a leaning because of who is sponsoring them. That could affect the article depending on the topic of it. So just something to really be aware of as you're reading it. Yeah, exactly. And and it's not, again, not good, bad, right or wrong, but like, do you know your fund, the funding model of the media you have? Is it donation? Is it corporation? Um, is it government funded? Is it um, anonymous donors? Which is, yeah. Um, Deanna, you want to take balance? Um, sure. So the the second part here is is all about balance. We talked about what makes a balanced article. So so when you're when you're consuming a piece of information or you're reading a piece, um, how do you know if it's balanced? What are what are the things that that would show you that that the um, writer is looking at both sides? We talked about. Um, having um, having interviews with somebody who's for um, the statement and somebody who's against the statement and what experts are there, what, um, what quotes do they have um, written, are they cited, all of those things. Yeah, and then the effect is really like, this is where we were talking about some of that more deep, self-reflective childhood shit, where it's like, check yourself and start to get curious about like the emotions the feelings the things that are happening in your body um the thoughts you're having in general and then can you reflect is this like your zone of familiarity like do you do you 
often feel angry. So then all of a sudden the news you're consuming is constantly making you angry or self-righteous or whatever that looks like. So this piece, the effect on you is you just getting curious about what be, might be your biased and, and the lens you're looking through slash um, your zone, your emotional zone of familiarity, right? Um, Shauna, do you want to take a little bit of the next one and then yeah. And then the only part of this that I want to talk about a bit is the what is the tone and what kind of article? Because these ones are a little bit more nuanced, but let's okay. let's have that chat. Okay. Um, are there adjectives in it? So this is often like the number one tip I give if you're trying to figure out what kind of article it is. So articles should not have any adjectives. So remember, articles are fact only. Um, no any no uh, interpretation of what's going on from the writer. You just want fact. You just want to know what's happening. Whereas editorials will have lots of interpretation. That's kind of the, the idea. Often editorials are, are called opinion pieces because it's the opinion of the person writing it. So if it's an opinion, it can have art. It, it can have adjectives. If it's an article, it should not have adjectives at all. Um, and for as far as opinions, when it has active, adjectives, that's not necessarily good or bad. That's that's part of writing your own opinions. You're going to be descriptive about it. So, um, yeah, yeah and to, that... to, to, to put this little caveat in articles, if they're interviewing people, that's where they're going to have the quotes of what people are saying. That's where it's going to have a tone, a story and adjectives and adjectives are descriptive words like beautiful, very scary. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be really subtle very... too. Like we see a lot of articles now that are like, um, this rare illness well technically the word rare is an adjective that's a descriptive word so if you're going to say rare technically it should be in quotations that it was said from an expert and then you have to show me that it's rare give me the actual numbers and that's not that's often not happening yeah or if they're giving you the numbers and this is where it gets like this is where the critical thinking comes in they'll say oh one in 800 let's say or one in 10,000 and they'll say that's rare but like what are you measuring that against what make what what's what are you yeah like when they said oh these this many deaths are happening at the very beginning of the pandemic I started looking up the average deaths a year in Alberta in Canada in the world like as many places I could find to start to orient myself to what's happening because like to me one death is a lot like you know depending on who it is like so anyway yeah, it's 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 a bit tricky, but just um, just being open to the uncertainty is important as well. Okay, so what is the tone of the article? There's kind of there's a little bit of a um, a nuanced here. No tone evoking fear without with story, not facts. Condescending, so like belittling. Um, alleviating fear without providing observational facts or biased in general. Sometimes things are objectively condescending and you can tell that. Sometimes your own bias or your own lens feels like the article is being condescending towards you. So this in itself, the tone in itself, you get to reflect on as well. But just get curious as to what is going on there. And again, we go into way more of this in Seeing Truth and Lies in Media um, about the evoking fear, condescending tone, alleviating fear. We go into that a bit more, but yeah, that's what I wanted to say about that. And then what kind of article is it? Article, observational fact, editorial story and opinion, analyst data and science, fact 
check no new information what did you mean by this narrative no new information that was the one thing i was going to ask you shauna from the fact checks i have read they never provide new information they say this article says this and we've deduced it's incorrect but they don't prove that they don't tell you what the um they don't correct it they don't tell you the accurate information they'll often just disprove it and it that's not a it's not a proper article in itself it's a fact check but a lot of fact checked pieces are now getting passed for articles yeah and i would argue like the fact checking we could probably do a whole thing on now that i'm thinking about it yeah because yeah for real often what fact checkers will do and you shared that clip the other day is they'll say like it's wrong because this is the truth but it's like you didn't even say the thing that they're saying like if they don't actually it's very very odd so okay yeah. i get what you're saying there's no new information it's just like regurgitated like they just yeah they just pull information from actual articles to back up their claim yeah but if i mean technically you can do that because it's a fact check there's no yeah yeah i'm sure they have some regulations around themselves but if you're going to do that in an article and you're saying something's incorrect then you need to get like an expert interview to prove why it's incorrect or some data or ideally both yeah yeah okay gotcha yeah so just being aware of what kind of article it is and then here's where again i'm just going to add a little bit of uncertainty and i will say if the news and media that you're watching and you're taking in the information you're taking in if the person always makes you feel completely certain then they're not doing you a service because they're not teaching you how to work your discernment muscle and we're going to do that here at east anchor media um we're not giving you certainty we're giving you the ability to be okay with uncertainty which is more important uh in our yeah. in our opinion that's but um with data and science <sighs> It might appear like they're giving you good information, but I'm going to give up. I'm going to give one example. Um, there was this article that came out recently. I think it was CBC. Was it CBC with the Vax injuries? And the main guy was saying essentially that his doctor didn't believe him at first. And then many people came forward and said, you know, my doctors didn't believe that I had Vax injury. I think it was CBC, which is great that they're doing this article. But in that article, they quoted the Canadian, uh, like, data and, and numbers from Canada, the government of Canada, and use those numbers to say, well, this is very rare. Now, here's the problem. If your article is about doctors not believing in vax injury and not reporting them, then the data you're using to prove the rarity is flawed. <laughs> it's flawed data. Yeah. So well, think about it. <laughs> it's also like a government-funded organization creating a story and using government funded data to back up their story there's huge huge uh conflicts of, yeah. yeah conflict of interest with that exactly so so when we're seeing like so so many people had sent me things like nicole like haven't you seen the data haven't you seen the science and of course what we're seeing is over the last couple of years the things that we were mentioning years ago are now becoming mainstream because you can't go from a top-down model. Like you have to listen to what people are experiencing in order to be ahead of the trend, essentially. Ahead of the information that's known by everyone is always going to come from the bottom up. So by bottom up, you mean like average citizens, average people? 
yeah, I'm going to stop sharing now and we can finish off this conversation. Okay, sorry, before you do that, actually, this is incorrect at the end here. And I just want to mention this. We'll correct it when we put it in the course, but just because, you know, anyone watching this, I want to make sure this is accurate. At the bottom right, it says narrative, no new information. A narrative will have new information. A narrative is like generally, um, it'll be a long form piece. Like if I decided to write a piece about Nicole and her career in media, that would be narrative. Oh, so kind of like a profile piece is what you're referencing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And oh, this is where, again, we could add another thing. There's a lot of ghostwriting and sponsored articles happening that are written like articles, but they're actually paid sponsored articles. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's okay, but it should be marked. Yeah. If that's happening, it should be very clear. Or like if you're reading a magazine, because we know people who do this too. If you're reading a magazine about how awesome something is like and it sounds like a news article because you've been conditioned to know what news sounds like know that like you're reading a piece of sponsored material yeah um, or someone's trying to sell you something like a lot of times advertisements look like articles there's lots of times they they look like scientific they they cite scientific data and and I, I, this is going to like be the best thing ever in your life and you're never going to need to have anything ever again and this is the doctor that tells us that and and this is all the scientific data that we have what is the who benefits from that <laughs> they're they're trying to sell you something like at the end you click here to buy that's it's not an article yeah. yeah and like here's somebody told me that the other day I can't remember who it was it was my dad he said like something like he was reading and it's like marketing that's truthful is marketing marketing that's a lie is propaganda mm. so like you're going to come across marketing obviously and we want information about things if a doctor's telling me how great something is well I'm going to go look into that doctor I'm going to do deeper research I'm going to see the results of their patients and testimonials and long term anyway yeah um okay this has been a great conversation this has been really fabulous yeah we could we could go on forever there's so much to talk about i know uh i think a good place to end though is we were just touching on this before um when deanna had that great tip is journalism true journalism is a service to people the people being a voice to the people and listening for stories that aren't being told or things that are not um, a light's not being shone on and you can't have good journalism from the top down meaning from governmental systems from institutions down to the people because there's always in all of history the corruption is always going to go in a certain way so that's why i'll give a like a tangible example of what i'm trying to say is the government website about vaccine injuries and what could be a vaccine injury started off with saying certain things well they had to update it and change it because people were getting cerebral palsy not cerebral palsy that was palsy <laughs> sorry someone's now someone's tuning out they're fact like check. yeah fact check <laughs> not allowed to make mistakes um, <laughs> um bell's palsy and then all of a sudden the bell's palsy was on the government website so for clarity the government website had to adjust to what was happening to the people it did not know what was happening to the people well come on we know that they probably did but it adjusted to the people right 
That's the difference between top-down journalism versus bottom-up journalism. <laughs> Sounds kind of weird. Uh, One thing that uh, Matt Taibbi said in the Monk debate, which if you haven't watched it, you should watch it. It's great. Uh, about mainstream versus alternative media. He said um, a lot of mainstream stations now, they know their audience. So like MSNBC, their audience is, is largely liberal so instead of going to the people and finding an interesting story and writing about that which would be bottom up they're coming up with a story that they know will satisfy their audience and then trying to find a way to fill that story which would be top down and that's about money that's because they want to fulfill they want to please their audience and that to do that that will make them more money which they are a business they should be making money but there's great stories if you go to the bottom there's truth if you start to listen to like one of my one of my favorite journalism teachers said that she she listens in restaurants and stuff like she automatically is listening to what people are saying because she wants to hear what's on the ground and um yeah it's been weird to see people like that like I don't know if she I don't know how she could be oblivious to what's happening but it appears that there is some other stuff going on. Um, pandering to an audience. There's there's a consideration of your audience, which is you want to have a great skill set. You want to be, you want to have um, a great quality product. But pandering is is slightly different. So yeah. yeah. Deanna, any last lost <laughs> any lost thoughts? <laughs> I'm sure I have lots of lost thoughts. <laughs> um, I think that the most the most tangible thing that um, that I've learned that has helped um, understand what's going on in the news has been like watching out for adjectives, understanding what an adjective is. Um, you learn about that in like, I don't know, grade four or something, <laughs> something like that. And unless you are somebody who studies writing, like throughout the course of your education, or you get into that type of work, you forget what an adjective is um, until your kids start learning about adjectives in grade four. And so, so that that was one of the, the things that helped me out the most is it, it, it immediately right in the right in the, the title of the article, the book, the movie, the whatever it it is. If there's an adjective there, and, and it's automatically a signal for me that somebody is trying to tell me how I should feel about the thing. And as soon as I recognize that, then I, I can be a lot more um, critical about what it is that I'm consuming. Beautiful, awesome. Thank you, everyone who's listening. Check out Seeing Truth and Lies in Media. That's uh, one of our courses. We also are going to be doing these workshops and bringing in guests to help you create your own content, your own media that looks like podcasts, documentaries, um, books, writing. Yeah, we have a lot coming up. And um, depending on when you're watching this, there's either going to be like a long catalog of awesome information or you're going to get to grow with us. So thank you so much. Shauna, did you want to say anything else? I was just going to say there's either going to be a catalog of workshops you can buy or the membership, which will get you everything, which it's, it's coming. It's in the works, but that'll be yeah. available soon. Yeah. It'll be available really soon. Well, we're very passionate about media literacy and upping the quality of media 
and decentralizing media, which means having more people creating good quality content means, um, you know, truth, truth, and it comes to the surface. And, and bottom up. So getting people's stories, there's so many good stories there that aren't being told because we have one narrative. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. The more people who can, um, articulate and express story and facts and discern the difference between the two, that's that discerning muscle. The more, the more people who understand their nervous system and how to regulate their emotions and cultivate safety within and tell story from that place, ooh, we see a different world. We see yes. different stories and we are attracted to different stories. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So much love. Thanks for tuning in. I love you guys so much. Thank you. See you next time. Bye.